Hey everybody, it's Ian and Mike. We are still on summer vacation. Mike is in Minnesota. I'm I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom back in Minnesota, and you are in your childhood office back in Chicago. We do want to bring you a few how-tos. These are some uh, segments from our early days. This is John calling from Brooklyn, New York. And I want to know um, how to become a baseball fan. I've never been a baseball fan, but I want to become a fan for the rest of my life. Thanks. That's a great question, John. And I think maybe the best person to help you is a fan. Yeah, uh, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Do you you have any advice? First, watch it on television. And the TV announcers are going to hate me. But turn off the sound of the announcers and put on the radio announcers. Okay. And the reason I say that is the radio announcers, in words, have to describe what's happening on the field. And so, because you're not seeing it, the TV announcers are doing something else. Right. And if you're listening to them, they will explain the strategy of the game. Uh-huh. They'll tell you where the pitcher is pitching and why, outside corner, where, what the strengths and weaknesses are of the batter. You know, there's a whole analysis about every hitter. Where does he hit to? Which field? What's his weaknesses and what's his strength? And if you watch how they're setting themselves up on the field, you'll begin to understand that strategy. Yeah. In the end, for me, baseball is a moment to take a long, long breath because it lets you slow yourself down a little bit, especially if you come from a place like New York. You know, I lived in Brooklyn. It's as fast-paced as any of the other boroughs in New York. Yeah. And to sit down on a Sunday afternoon and watch a baseball game, you can actually smile. I think it's worth uh, mentioning again, we are listening to Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor talking about baseball. Well, now, it almost sounds, and uh, pardon me for saying this, but that you're almost saying that baseball is, is good because it's kind of boring. Oh, no, not at all. You know, no baseball game is won or lost until the last out. Mm-hmm. My brother and I had this debate growing up. He was a great, great basketball fan. I would watch basketball, and halfway through the game, if it was a blowout, you already knew it. Yeah. yeah. All right? That's just not baseball. Every game is a toss-up. No, boring it's not. And I think one argument that sometimes people make against baseball is that you, you look at a baseball team, and it looks like uh, a bunch of guys you saw in the bar last night. Like, unlike a basketball <laughs> team, they don't necessarily look like athletes. You know something? I've been privileged to have gone on the field with the Yankees a number of times. I think the world knows I'm a Yankee fan. All right. I'm amazed. You're right. In their uniforms, they look, some of them look a little bit out of shape. Every one of them is buffed. (laughs) Really? Yeah. They're really very, very athletic. And don't the Yankees, the Yankees also have something of an advantage in the way that they look. They wear pinstripes. Yeah, vertical stripes. Which are slimming. Yeah, but I've seen them um, in T-shirts, <laughs> and they're still they're still muscular. <laughs> okay. Well, can I can I ask you? You mentioned, of course, and you, and it's well known you're a Yankees fan. 
Would you, if a case came up that had something to do with the Yankees, would you have to recuse yourself? Oh, gosh, no. Okay. You know, I, I mean, every justice, every judge is a human being. Yeah. We have fan, sports we like. We have experiences we've had. Um, we're people, too. And as people, if you recused yourself from every case <laughs> that came before you because you've had a personal experience of some type, um, you would never have a full court right. deciding anything. You'd have what you have, which is confidence in the legal system, in understanding that a justice knows the difference between enjoying a hot dog on a Sunday afternoon and the serious business of deciding a legal question. The twain doesn't meet. As a Supreme Court justice, you guys wear those big black robes. Do you ever wear Yankee uh, colors underneath your robe? Oh, no. I wear a suit. (laughs) (laughs) Any last word for John to solidify his baseball fandom? John, it's a beautiful game. As I said to you, go back, sit back, put a smile on your face, watch and listen. You'll fall in love. We got an email from Allison with a tip on how to cure an ice cream headache. If you just pinch the area of your nose right underneath your eyebrows, I learned this in like freshman psychology or something like that, and it just always stuck with me as a particularly useful thing that I took out of college. So we're curious how this works, where you pinch your bridge your nose and yeah. get rid of your ice cream headache. Uh, joining us now is pediatrician Dr. Peter Lechman. So Dr. Lechman, what's going on when we get an ice cream headache? Well... A uh, brain freeze, also known as a slurpy headache, is really (laughs) medically called a sphenopalatine ganglioneuralgia. And what really happens, fortunately, is that your brain is not freezing. But what really happens is that the roof of your mouth gets cold when you you drink too much of a cold liquid or Mm -hmm. have ice cream on the roof of your mouth or something cold on the roof of your mouth, which causes immediate constriction of the blood vessels in the roof of your mouth. As soon as those blood vessels constrict, your body reacts by trying to dilate them very, very quickly in order to get more warm blood to the area and heat it up. Uh-huh. Pain receptors in the roof of your mouth send a message through the trigeminal nerve in your face uh-huh. up to your brain telling you that you got something bad going on in the roof of your mouth, and it causes you to experience an intense headache in your forehead. It's actually, you're actually inducing the equivalent of a mini migraine. So then when the tip we got from Allison said we should pinch that area between our eyes, right at the bridge of our nose, what are we doing then when we're, when we're pinching there? There is absolutely no reason that should work. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, so I, I assume that there's a reason I'm being served by this headache in some way, that w- if I kept drinking a milkshake, would it kill me? Is that... No, it would not kill you, but your brain's basically sensing something bad going on in the roof of your mouth, and it's trying to alert you that there's something bad going on and to get rid of it. It's, it's overreacting in a sense. Okay. So me- it's telling you you've got to fix this problem, and it's doing that by making it hurt enough to cause you to fix the problem, which is get the ice cream out of your cake hole or drink a warm liquid or put the tongue at the roof of your mouth to heat up the area. Okay. Let me ask you this. So when this happens to me, I say, I say, oh, brain freeze, brain freeze, brain freeze. Does a, a medical professional like yourself, do you say sphenol, ganglial, palatine, what was it? Uh, sphenol, palatine, ganglial, neuralgia. Yeah, I say that really loudly, really quickly yeah. and try to sound really smart. You have to say that in order to build really high. So... 
the original solution doesn't work, but if you get an ice cream headache, don't freak out. Just push your tongue flat against the roof of your mouth and, um, you know, it, it'll stop the ice cream headache. Now, have you tried this? In the years since we first aired the segment, I do it every time. And it works. Yeah, I've yeah. used it like 50 times. I haven't figured out how to just stop eating and drinking cold things too fast. This week, we are sponsored by Big Ass Fans, maker of the world's first smart ceiling fan, Haiku, with SenseMe. SenseMe technology automatically adjusts the fan's speed as your room changes temperature to save up to 30% on air conditioning costs. The SenseMe that it's sensing is you. The fan knows how hot you are. Haiku holds the top 14 Energy Star rankings, and each fan is tested in a state-of-the-art sound chamber to ensure silent operations. You can learn more at BigAssFans.com slash NPR. Support for this podcast and this message about support comes from TastingRoom.com. TastingRoom.com is the only wine club that starts you off with a tasting of sample size wines. So they can select bottles that fit your personal tastes. For a special offer on your introductory tasting kit, visit tastingroom.com slash NPR. What if you just prefer sample sizes, though? Yeah, I'm sure they could accommodate. Because you could put it right next to the sample size shampoo and conditioner that you have in your hotel bathroom. Yeah, if nothing else, it makes you feel big. Yeah, you could ima- it's, it's so much easier to imagine you're a giant if you have just sample sizes around you. Yeah, so what you do, go buy some really small clothing, maybe baby clothing, mm-hmm. get into it, it'll tear. You wish clothes were made for, for people like you, for giants. Mm-hmm. Yep. Drink an entire bottle of wine yep. so in a sample size. Grab a peanut, pretend it's a, a coconut, just put it the whole thing in your mouth and chew it. Yeah, I, that's a that's a good afternoon. So Boeing, uh, they make planes. They're developing a new onboard Wi-Fi system. They wanted to test it. They don't want to put a bunch of humans in the plane. So so what do you do? Adam from Boeing joins us now. So Adam, how'd you do it? Well, the, the testing that we did uh, to, to verify a, a Wi-Fi, or actually really any signal test, was validated with potatoes, so lots of potatoes, 20,000 pounds of them. And um, we, we took... Uh, those potatoes down to a DC-10, a mothball DC-10, wasn't ever going to fly again, that was sitting down in the desert in Arizona. And we, we put the potatoes on board the airplane, did a very long battery of tests, about two weeks long, uh, taking all sorts of measurements on the airplane and got some great data. And with that data, we essentially developed a brand new way to test signal propagation, which is a fancy way to say how signals bounce around an airplane. Well, so where do the, do the potatoes prefer to sit, on the aisle or in the window? It depends when they book. Yeah, okay. Um, always. They, they, the plane, 150 seats had potatoes, and they essentially mounded them up so they looked a little bit like people. The, the idea was that uh, you can gather data in an empty airplane, but they realized pretty quickly that 
uh, an empty airplane has a different kind of look when you're talking about how signal moves around than, than a, uh, an airplane full of people. And the closer you can get to people, the better. And that's where the potatoes actually came in. Um, it's not just the shape of the potatoes. It's actually the way they interact with the signal, too. Wait, so how many potatoes does it take to make one person when sitting in one of those seats? Oh, we were just talking about this the other day. Um, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's something like nine bags. The, <laughs> the ratio is really a pound to a pound. So a pound of potatoes is oh, wow. roughly equivalent, uh, it, the way it affects the signal, to uh, the, the weight of a person. So 150 pounds of potatoes is 150 pounds worth of person. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, did you guys get any criticism from people saying that those potatoes were taking jobs from, you know, Americans who could sit in the plane? I, <laughs> we've, we, we've heard it hinted at. I, I don't know many people who would want to sit motionless uh, for 10 hours or more on end uh, for two straight weeks in an airplane that's parked on uh, an Arizona desert. So uh, you said how many uh, potatoes in this uh, DC-10? 20,000 pounds. So that, where, did you eat them afterward? <laughs> no, we, we, we didn't, but they were donated to a local food bank. Oh, wow. Why did you tell them what you'd done to them beforehand? No, we didn't tell them that they were well-connected potatoes or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, they, they, were, they were donated with, without an explanation. Wow. Well, that's fascinating uh, and really makes me wonder. It'll give me, you know, I'll pause now before I uh, log on to the wireless on the plane and think of the potatoes that have gone before me. <laughs> that's right. You know, these are some of the luckiest potatoes that you'll ever meet, I suppose. Well, Adam, thank you so much for your time. This is fascinating stuff. Hey, thanks for your interest, guys. We appreciate it. Josh, what can we help you with? So I was wondering uh, how I could look cool while uh, kind of standing and you know, waiting for someone. Like uh, you're meeting somebody somewhere. Uh, yeah, meeting at a cafe, but you know maybe uh, they're late, so I'm standing, kind of standing near the door, just waiting. You're biding your time. Uh, how do you normally look? It looks not cool. I just just <laughs> stand and kind of looking, doing a lot of looking. Yeah, Wait. I tried whistling. That that's my only other idea. Okay. Yeah. That's very casual. It's a casual look. Maybe mm-hmm. not cool. Yeah. What was there? Maybe was there a moment where you realized um, you needed you needed to address this issue? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I, it hit me the other day that I, I was waiting for a friend at a cafe, and I just realized I always just look so uncool whenever I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. So I decided to call you. Yeah. Well, Josh, I think we can help you out with this. We're gonna we're gonna look into it. And we'll find an expert. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, he or she will be able to come up with some tips. Okay. Great. All right, so on the line with us now, I think, is the perfect person to answer Josh's question. An icon of cool, Henry Winkler. You know him as the Fonz or Fonzie. Or maybe uh, more formally, Arthur Fonzarelli. Yeah, Mr. Fonzarelli. From Happy Days. He's also, Henry Winkler is also a star on Arrested Development. This is Henry. We're, uh, we're very excited to talk to you. I want to apologize uh, in advance in case at any point during this conversation I call you Fonz. It's okay. Okay. I think we almost need the Fonz in this situation. Yeah. So, Henry, uh, do you have any ideas for Josh? What's step one? Step one, lean against the wall and put one foot up. Yes. Yeah. Okay? Uh Uh-huh. Two, put your hands in your coat pocket, or if it's the summertime, in your pants pocket. Okay. Both hands. Okay. 
do not smoke. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the, the, the most, that's number three. So number four, I think, is the key. Be authentic. Oh. Cool actually comes from the inside out. Okay, sure. It has nothing to do with what you're doing on the outside trying to put it on. Right. So cool is being yourself. And being yourself is compelling and magnetic uh, and dynamic. And I, I think, you know, there's probably a significant other or a uh, would-be significant other that he wants to look cool for. So Okay, but, then you know what? Uh, number, there's number five. Oh, okay. Okay? You don't want to have a latte because that really screws up your breath. Oh, yeah. So I would read Tolstoy. Okay. Because <laughs> I think that... If he or she knows who that is, she'll be impressed, and mm-hmm. or he'll be impressed. Uh, if not, the other person will just be overwhelmed by the size of the novel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've kind of described a kind of a James Dean image. I've seen this picture of James Dean where he's leaning against the wall. You have your hands in a pocket, and then you're also holding then a great work of Russian literature. That's what I would do. And you can just hold the literature in between your arm, your upper arm, and your rib cage if your hands are in your pocket. Oh, okay, sure. So you I, know, I, 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 now that I think about it, I think the sheer thickness of the novel will be impressed. And you know how they did in high school? You, you took a magic marker and you wrote your name um, on the, uh, the pages, you know, on the outside of the novel, yeah, yeah. along the pages, sure. you can write, happy to see you. Oh. And if you're really good in Russian, yep. which I could never do. So there's kind of a paradox here, though, because... Um, of course, you would find the paradox. <laughs> so he wants, uh, you know, he wants to look cool. Uh, your advice, which sounds very good to me, is, you know, just be yourself. Yes, that really is the truth. That is the nugget in all of this other crapola. And it seems like uh, a big part of that is uh, not trying to look cool. Like to let go of trying to look cool while trying to look cool is when part you, of looking when cool. When you let go of trying to be anything, you are. Okay. Yeah. Do you... Uh, even You know what? And honestly, seriously, Yeah. I mean, um, even as an actor... As I learned to let go of trying to be funny or smart or, you know, great on screen, whatever it was, the more I let that go, the better I became. And I would have, I'm telling you, pennies to donuts, uh, that would apply to dating. Well, do you, do you remember, like, a moment, speaking, you know, as a man, not as an actor, where you were like, you know what? I'm comfortable. I'm not trying anymore. Yes, it happened about 15, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> it takes, uh, for me, for, uh, honest to God, for me as a human being, it took an awfully long time to get to that place. Last, when I have one more question for Josh. One of the things that Fonzie did, as you well know and are tired of talking about, he had a catchphrase. He would say, hey. Yes. Would you give any any tips on Josh maybe coming up with something that he could throw out in a desperate moment just to have a cool catchphrase? No. And I'll tell you why. 
if you're not committed to the catchphrase, if you're, mm. um, uh, if if you're not, if it doesn't come naturally, yeah, then uh, the the person is going to look you in the eye, turn on their heels, and go home hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I'm not so- kidding. That's something to I avoid. I would not try a catchphrase. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Unless you say, "Good to see you," Henry Winkler. This has been great. Thank you so much. What a wonderful conversation. All right, let's uh let's call Josh back. Yeah. Hey, hey Josh, how you doing? Hey, good. So, uh so what do you think of of uh Henry's advice? Yeah, I uh, I I got it. I'm ready to to wait uh at a cafe now. Okay. Well, let's 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 practice. Can we ask you to um, are you near enough a wall to lean against? Yeah, it? near a wall. Yeah. Okay. I'm right next to one. Can I'm you right can you lean against it? Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm leaning against it now. Oh, all right. Now um, get get your foot up. You got a foot okay. up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Foot's up. We want you to stay on the phone. So maybe just put one hand in 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 a pocket. Do you have pockets? Okay. okay. Yeah. It's in the yeah. Okay. There we go. My hands in my pocket. So how does that feel? Feels great. You feel cool? Yeah. Well, now wait. We need a book too. Don't forget the book. Yeah. Do you have a book handy? Uh, uh I have you know, a notebook. Good. Right, that's fine. Is that yeah. cool? Yeah. That's okay. You're a writer. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, the last thing then would be the catchphrase, which uh, Henry came up with. Good to see you. How does that sound coming out of how did out of your mouth there, Josh? Yeah, I'll try. Good to see you. All right. Yeah. I, I'll try again. Well, yeah, it sounded a little. Yeah. Maybe a little more like. Relaxed, maybe. Laid back. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good to see ya. Okay. That was about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, think about it. Now, now you're cool, Josh. How does yeah. cool Josh see? What does he say when he sees somebody? Okay. Just... Good to see ya. Yeah, all right. We're getting yeah. there. Yeah. This is sounding okay. good. Okay. Does this feel... This This seems like a cool pose. Do you? Does it feel cool? Are you feeling good? Yeah, it does. It, okay. it does. Yeah. You know what? I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not in anyone's way. <laughs> I like that about it. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes I'm in the middle, right near the door. Sometimes people walk around, so this is nice. Um, hey, can I ask one more thing? Uh, sure. So, is there is there someone in particular that you want to look cool for at this cafe? You know, I think I'm now ready to find someone to look cool for. There we go. All right. All right. Yeah. Well. Uh, Josh, uh, it's it's been a pleasure talking to you. I guess we should say uh, good to see you. Good to see you, Josh. Good to see you. Ah, it's getting better every time, man. That's Great. a cool. That's a cool guy who says that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Stay cool, Josh. Okay. Thank you guys very much. Well, that that's it for our uh, that's it for our show. Thanks for taking this trip down memory lane with us. Memory lane is is the street, Mike. Mike's family lives on in Minneapolis. Yeah, that's what I'm looking out on right now. It's filled with, um, looks like some old teddy bears. Uh, is an old trophy from a swim meet that I won once. And my first girlfriend, Jenny. She broke up with me for Brent Johnson. You know, I'm just going to fade things out at this point um, before this gets any weirder. We'll, we'll see you next she week. She really did break up with me for